Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Lembit Opic. You're listening to Lembit Opic on today's news talk radio, TNT. Welcome one and all to the Lembit Opic show here on TNT Radio. It's four minutes past six in the morning here in the United Kingdom. Uh, four minutes past five in the evening, early evening in Sydney, wherever you are. Thank you so much for joining us here on TNT Radio. Coming up in this show, we have two hours packed with current affairs, the latest that's happening from all around the world. Uh, we'll be speaking to Simeon Boykov about a COVID vaccine, which could be available by Christmas. Great news if you want a COVID vaccine. Again, count me out. We'll talk about that more with Simeon. Uh, we've also got Jeremy Beck, a uh, fellow TNT presenter, who also uh, be taking a view uh, of the world as we see it. We try to really have a look back at what's happened in the week uh, on Fridays. Uh, but if you've got something you want to share, then get in touch as well. TNTradio.live is the place to go. And you will find our chat there already lively, already active, and 24 hours a day. Uh, also, you'll find phone numbers if you want to call in, as long as we've got time. We'll include your phone call on the show. And you don't have to agree with what you're hearing. If you disagree, you still get space. That is the essence of free speech. TNTradio.live is the place where free speech has been restored to the global media offering. Uh, we've also got Gemma Cooper, who is a true advocate of freedom of expression. She'll be joining me in just a few minutes, and I hope you do too. I hope you're going to enjoy these two hours and hope by the end of it, you'll have a sense of what's happened in this week around the world in politics and beyond. A couple of stories I want to highlight before we go to Gemma. First of all, there has been a firestorm in Ireland, literally, no, not a naturally occurring wildfire. This is a human-caused problem, and it's all stemming from a reaction to the uh, stabbing by an Algerian migrant of child in uh, Ireland, and the public seem to have taken the law into their own hands. They've said enough is enough. Uncontrolled migration seems to have been the spur for this uh, bout of violence. Uh, and indeed, Jim Ferguson in the UK says, uh, Ireland hotels, housing, uh, at illegal immigrants are reported to be getting firebombed by Irish people angry that an Algerian migrant stabbed Irish children. Tensions have been increasing after migration has been allowed to spiral out of control. Well, it seems that uh, the Irish have had enough. The public are just completely fed up with this. I wonder what do you think about this? What is the solution? You can let me know here at tntradio.live, go to the chat, or you can phone in as well. And could this kind of frustration have anything to do with the uh, comparative success of uh, uh, the, they say the far right, uh, but uh, the Dutch party, which also had concerns uh, about this in the Netherlands, uh, it's been quite a seismic shift, really. The Party for Freedom has surged to 37 seats. It's captured about a quarter of the vote. Uh, it's labelled far-right. Well, whether they're far-right or not, they're a really major political force now in the Netherlands. Uh, Gert Wilders has been a very controversial character, has attracted a lot of negativity when he's come to join us in the United Kingdom to give talks. Maybe the same dynamic is at play in the Netherlands, as we're seeing in Ireland, could this be part of a pattern? Could the neoliberals now have pushed it too far? 
and the public are saying, no, we're not happy with this. A similar party with not really exactly the same political stance, but certainly a, a strong stance against uncontrolled immigration in the UK, uh, Reform UK, seems to have climbed to around 11%, mainly at the cost, I believe, of the Conservative Party. So this could be something which we're seeing happening, not just in the UK, but across Europe. Of course, it's a big concern, in my view, at least, if public, public order is lost due to the rage of the public. But maybe the politicians should be listening to de-escalate that. Uh, further afield, even as we speak, it's said that there could be a prisoner exchange. It's hard to uh, see exactly what's happening at the moment, but we'll give you the latest uh, from the Gaza Strip. Is there a hostage exchange there? Uh, 13 uh, individuals apparently being released by the Hamas uh, captors. Will that happen? It said they're going to be women and children. We'll give you the latest on that as well while we are live on air right here with me, Lemitopic, on TNT Radio. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Joining me now, as always, it's Gemma Cooper, who always has her finger on the global button of news. Good morning, Gemma. How are you doing? Good morning, Lambert. It's Friday. Friday. The weekend is almost here. It's your happiest day. Wednesday's your worst <laughs> and Friday's your best. I can hear a spring in your step, uh, at least verbally. Well, yes, there is. Because do you remember we talked last week because I was putting up my own Christmas lights display after being shunned from my local community's Christmas light switch on, which I'd hosted every year for 15 years and given them a considerable amount of money that I'd raised through my charitable um, efforts. You know, and every year I was the compare and it was one of the greatest highlights of my career as a BBC TV presenter in my local community to be able to switch on those Christmas lights because they meant so much to me since I was a little kid. Anyway, obviously, I got done for going on anti-lockdown marches. It was all over the papers, and they unceremoniously dumped me without telling me. They just dumped me. That's great. So this year in protest, <laughs> I moved house last year, and I, and I downsized a bit. And so this year, I thought, right, I'm going to light up this house. You're going to be able to see it from space. And while the whole of my hometown is switching on their Christmas lights on Monday, the 27th, with another host who I wasn't told about, um, I will have my own party on Monday, the 27th, with my own Christmas lights switch on. I will send you a photograph, Lembit, when I've done it. So I'm very excited because this weekend, the rest of the lights are going up. They're going to be tested and then it's all going to be switched on. So, yeah, that's why I'm excited. Let there be light. Why don't you get someone to do your official switching on? Invite somebody else who's been cancelled. I'm setting up a group called the Cancel Culture Club, by the way. <laughs> There'll be a rich sea of people <laughs> joining that, I think. Absolutely. I mean, if you're if you're at a loose end, Lembert, you're welcome to come down, be my be my guest of honour and switch on my Christmas lights and we'll all have a celebration. But my aim is that my Christmas lights will outdo my hometown's Christmas lights. That will be a, no mean feat. But you know what? A woman like me, when I'm on a mission, very little can stop me. So let's see how it goes. There'll, there'll be a momentary flicker across the land as the power drain begins at Cooper Castle. And I wish you success with that as well. Oh, I better get some lights on the tree. We've got a Christmas tree growing in the garden. I bought it from a supermarket, uh, but planted it because we just didn't want the pine needles in the house. And uh, it's doing absolutely fine. It's also a lot cheaper. <laughs> but there we go. Anyway, so much for our secular celebration. <laughs> what do you have in terms of news? 
Well, I've gone back to it. I mean, I, I'm not sure if you're going to talk about it in your news roundup of the week, um, but obviously Simeon Boykoff's coming on to talk about the new vaccine in uh, Australia. Blimey. Um, I'm going back to the COVID inquiry, which I wasn't intending to do because the whole thing has just turned into a farcical pantomime. Um, and the message seems to be, you know, governments are incompetent. We need to lock down harder next time with the help of the WHO's pandemic treaty, no doubt. Um, but yesterday we had uh, Kemi Bredenock, who was the equalities minister at the time of the scandemic. Um, she's now the business secretary here in the UK. She was giving evidence and uh, seeing some of her words this morning, because obviously the time we're on air, we, 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 we miss the inquiry because it's all done later in the day. So I'm going back to it. But um, some of the things she said, I thought, well, it just shows how far we have to go in this, especially, you know, with vaccines, <clears throat> because she says the magic words, conspiracy theories are still rife in the UK in the wake of the pandemic. And the government has not got a handle on the situation. She says, and she's telling the inquiry this, she says she's very, very concerned about the spread of anti-vaccine information on social media and the medical challenges that it presents. She says the government hasn't adapted to the age of social media, information, misinformation, she calls it, can travel around the world at lightning speed. She says we don't know how to solve it. She herself then says she's been the target of conspiracy theories. People coming up to her, she says, people come up to me in the street and say, so-and-so died because of what you did. So-and-so died because of the, the information you put out. Yeah, people do have died. Uh, she says, um, misinformation on the internet pedal bar. I met uh, somebody in uh, yesterday. I met she somebody who. Uh, to, to, sorry to interrupt you. What you've just reminded me of, and I'll come back to it in a moment, Gemma. I met somebody at a convention I was at who I went to university with, a very good university, Bristol University. And I mentioned exactly, almost exactly the phrase you've just used to him uh, uh, about the vaccine deaths. And he said, oh, you're not one of those conspiracy theorists, are you? Uh, so very informed people are still living with this. But please, sorry to interrupt you. Please carry on. No, no, that's absolutely fine. I mean, she basically then said that vaccine misinformation, as she calls it, has driven up vaccine hesitancy in black and ethnic minority groups. But she does tacitly admit that a lot of people in Britain who are in black and ethnic minority groups are still first generation immigrants who absolutely do not trust the government. So at least she kind of puts a nod towards that. But it shows how far we've got to go because there's no mention there of the yellow card reporting scheme. There's no mention of, of vaccine uh, damage. There's no mention of the fact there's a, you know, there's a class act case being brought against AstraZeneca, which was pulled off the shelves in the UK far too late compared to other countries. And, and there's no mention at all of the excess death. There's this blinkered polarization between those in power and people who question it of like we are yeah like you just said Lembeck if you express any kind of um dis not distrust questioning of the vaccine and its efficacy you are a conspiracy theorist no doubt a far-right conspiracy theorist and the fact that she's saying you know we, we don't know what to do about it how to solve the problem of misinformation the government needs to clamp down on it there's no engagement no engagement whatsoever there's no kind of like having a dialogue with people that are mm. saying to her face to face I know somebody that died because of what you did. No, you're a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> How far do you have to take it? You know, you will be a conspiracy theorist now, Lembic, for having three vaccines in yeah. good faith and saying that they messed you up. 
no, you're a conspiracy theorist. That's direct evidence, direct physical evidence. So I just had a look at that and I thought, you know, I don't want to bring everyone down on a Friday, but you've got Simeon Boykoff coming on to talk about another new vaccine being pushed in Australia. You know, this battle between the powers that be and the people on the ground. I mean, has she spoken to UK CV family here in the UK? They're good, hardworking, normal people that had the vaccine in good faith and their lives are ruined. I personally know three people that dropped down dead of heart attacks after the AstraZeneca. You know, one was 46. But that would be he's he's a dead conspiracy theorist, obviously. So it's it's a it's a tricky one to kind of navigate on a Friday because you don't want to end the week on a bum note. But I just think it's galvanized me in a way, you know, to stand up to these people even more and say, just look at the evidence. Look at your own yellow card reporting scheme, you know, just just. Just go and have a look and then come back to us and then we'll have a conversation. Okay, Kemi. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Austin, who who I met yesterday, I've known for 39 years. He and I have always had mutually great respect for each other in terms of uh, our political viewpoints. And he began to run me down because I told him I'd had a vaccine injury and I believed that the death rates were up because of vaccines. And it was so intense. His response was so intense. I changed the subject. It wasn't absolutely central to what we were discussing. But I realized now the extent to which the true conspiracy theorists have been successful, the ones who are telling us that they were right all along to impose this balmy lockdown and cause us to put poison, not for everybody, for people like me, poison in our bodies. I wonder if there will be, you've often mentioned the awakening, uh, Gemma. I wonder if there will be an awakening if we can just get the figures out there. But the contrarian position is, if they can't do it in an official inquiry, the only way we can do it is on TNT radio and like-minded outlets. Well, quite. I mean, the other horrible way you can only do it is if, if, if you have a jab and it goes hideously wrong. And that's your awakening. Mm. That's a that's a horrible road to go down. I mean, that's what happened to you. And I've mentioned several times before on this show about a really good friend of mine from school who, who was a rambunctious character, you know, larger than life guy. And uh, he's now in a wheelchair as a result of his third jab. And he's in no doubt whatsoever uh, that it was the vaccine. And he now says to me, Jem, I've been following you and all those things that you do on, you know, all those things you did. I thought you were a bit weird at the time, but no, it's, it's brilliant what you're doing. Keep going. You know, three and a half, three years ago, when I was frog marched out of the BBC, he was one of the people who thought I was mad. But he's had to have a were, terrible, terrible awakening for him. You were literally made to leave the BBC, weren't you? Physically. Yeah, I was frog marched out of the building, uh, pending a, a, a kind of investigation. But by that point, I thought, I'm just going to go because I could see where it was all leading. And I thought, there's just no way I've got a place here if I want to be true to myself. And that's all I was trying to do, be true to myself. And funnily enough, do a bit of journalism as well, get some different opinions. But no, no, not in this day and age. As the inquiry yesterday proved, you know, you, you, she's got people coming up to her in the street saying, I know somebody that died. Nah, you're a conspiracy theorist. It's just this, the, this the pope that I can't, can't quite get my head around the fact that, you know, we're not mad. We're intelligent people. Just listen to us. It's it's insane. Yeah, climate emergencies and COVID vaccines leave me breathless. Thank you, Gemma. That's Gemma Cooper. Did you have an experience which you feel was related to the vaccine rather than the disease? Go to tntradio.live. Let us know. You can find the phone numbers there as well. I'll get you on. And to what extent do you think that the truth is out there? 
Do you feel that it's possible for us to get the facts? Or is there such a vested interest in the world of uh, establishment and politics and big pharma that we will never be allowed to have an open debate? Because as Gemma just said, you get dismissed, as I felt yesterday. I was being run down by a friend of four decades experience. Maybe we're wrong, but I think we're right. I want to know what you think, though. Those are our opinions. I'd like to hear yours. Join me, Lemba Topic, here on TNT Radio. You should hear what Patrick Henningsen's talking about. So all the Israelis are really escalating air attacks and bombing attacks uh, to a degree that we haven't even seen before. Why this escalation? Why is it happening right now? This is a big problem. And this has been going on now for four weeks, ladies and gentlemen. And still no calls for a ceasefire, no definitive or categorical calls anyway from the U.S. leadership, from those who, from the onset, let's face it, they were backing this military action by Israel uh, on the Gaza Strip. And everybody thought, well, how bad could it be? How long could it go? Here we are month later we're still here we're still talking to you we're still reporting this and another hospital was uh, hit last night as well well over 30 medical facilities and hospitals have been uh, hit and uh, taken out of action in some cases pulverized by the israeli occupation forces or the idf as it's uh, widely known patrick henningson on today's news talk tnt radio hi i'm susan lucci i never thought about heart disease until i had my own heart event At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. You are about to to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country is all about. TNT Radio. Greetings, one and all. 22 minutes past six here in the United Kingdom. Uh, 22 minutes past five in Sydney and Melbourne. Wherever you are, welcome to Lembitopic Show here on TNT Radio, where we want your points of view. So do go to the chat. Uh, good morning to Mazzy and to uh, Lodge. I think you may have gone now. Uh, we've got Robert. Yes, good day to you as well. Uh, lots of other commentators there. I'll come back to your quotes in a little while. I want to get to Simeon now, but... Uh, I'll I'll respond to some of the things, including Ivan's ominous cynicism about Christmas rubbish, let's call it, uh, in about 10 minutes. But first, let's stay on the subject that Gemma raised, and we are concerned about, both she and I and perhaps yourself, uh, which is the antics of the establishment when it comes to COVID vaccines and any potential future enforcement of COVID regulations. Simeon Boykoff, fellow TNT presenter, joins us now. Uh, good evening to you, Simeon. How are you doing? Good evening. Thank you, Lambert. Our regular listeners to... would have heard the reporting Sorry. on TNT Radio last week about the Australian government's deal to relocate 11,000 citizens of the Pacific Island nation of uh, Tuvalu to Australia, citing a climate change emergency in which the island, according to the governments, 
is sinking and soon disappearing into the Pacific Ocean. Now, I believe uh, there is a dark side to this deal, effectively hidden from the public, in which the Albanese government throws up climate change as an excuse, as a smokescreen for public consumption uh, to the media and to us, the general public, whilst effectively blaming climate change, what they're really doing is raping the sovereignty of Tuvalu as a proactive offensive move, as a measure to counter Chinese influence in the Pacific. The Australian government signed a deal with uh, Tuvalu. It's called the Australia-Tuvalu-Felepili Union Treaty. Now, the, the media didn't really talk about this much. All they talked about was climate change and how 11,000 uh, Tuvaluans or Tuvalians are moving to Australia, effectively abandoning their territory, citing uh, climate change and the fact that apparently it's sinking uh, this island. Now, what the truth behind this uh, deal was, in fact, uh, Article 4, the most important article behind this deal that uh, Albanese had signed. Now, Article 4 is what people need to have a look at, and that's cooperation for security and stability. Uh, in addition to the party's rights and freedoms under international law, Tuvalu shall provide Australia rights to access, presence within, and overflight of Tuvalu's territory if the activities are necessary for the provision of assistance requested by Tuvalu under this agreement, which effectively means that the Australian military, the Australian Air Force, Navy, has full and unhindered access to the territory of Tuvalu. If you look at the uh, historical examples, this is something similar to what uh, maybe Nazi Germany or the Soviet Union back in the days would request from one of its bordering satellite countries. We want full access for our military, including our Air Force, including our Navy, including our Army. That's what Australia's just done to Tuvalu. The, yet the general public is not aware of this. The general public thinks this is some noble climate change crusade uh, by the Albanese government. Uh, it's important that we talk about this. Uh, from one point of view, I can understand why Australia's doing that, because China has been trying to do something similar in the Solomon Islands to increase its influence. At the same time, Australia wants to remain uh, a strong player in the Pacific, wants to keep up with the Joneses. And by the looks of things, they're making uh, the island of Tuvalu into a immobile aircraft carrier. And of course, that benefits who? The Americans. That benefits uh, the uh, AUKUS pact. And that's a direct uh, attack against China. The poor people of Tuvalu, the, the villages, the islanders there, they're just caught up in the middle of this. Uh, but... It isn't, it isn't appropriate from one perspective for the Australian government to rape the sovereignty of this small island nation. And it seems that the mainstream media is hardly talking about this. They're talking about the fact that it's for climate change. What a, what a bizarre move by the Australian government to use climate change as the excuse for effectively militarizing a small island Pacific nation in its interests against um, China as its uh, geopolitical regional uh, adversary or potential adversary. One one of the ironies in the situation, uh, Simeon, is that uh, I've looked at the science on this, and Tuvalu, which is an archipelago of over a hundred individual islands, is gaining land two point nine percent of more land between nineteen seventy three and twenty eighteen. So the idea that it's sinking 
is as dishonest as it is disingenuous. The second thing is Tuvalu itself boasts about the fact it's increasing the size of its airport to encourage tourism. So what no, they're no, actually I, I, doing I, I, is... I wouldn't say tourism. It's to encourage and enable the landing of heavy transport planes, <laughs> military me. planes, military equipment. Uh, and it's it's all a lie. At least be honest with us. And Albanese tell the truth to the Australian people. At least you don't you don't want to tell the truth to China and your, your potential adversaries. At least be honest with us, the Australian people. And of course, I don't think anyone in this equation has actually considered the interests of uh, the people of Tuvalu. Do you feel that the people of Tuvalu would be delighted to move to Australia? Do you think that they are having a say or is there any possibility and maybe this is going too far uh, of some degree of collusion between the the influencers the decision makers on Tuvalu and the Australian government oh there's no doubt that uh, this decision was made uh, on uh, the very high level of uh, the Prime Minister uh, of Tuvalu and the Australian Prime Minister I don't think anyone really asked uh, the islanders or the villagers or the citizens what they think I'm sure if they were offered an opportunity to move to Australia, just like 99% of the rest of the world, they would take it. Now, it it, it, it is a example of uh, not asking people their opinion, not asking locals. And it's something, in, you know, if you look at the, the Albanese government trumpeting the voice and saying Indigenous rights, well, this is an example of a complete opposite. It does, it does seem to me this is exactly the diametrically opposed kind of policy to the one they were trying to force the Australian people to vote yes to in the referendum. I don't see how there's any consistency in trying to basically nab some territory from uh, an entire community of people on islands at the same time as pretending that the yes vote was sincerely intended. Well, absolutely. If you, if you dig, scratch the surface of this uh, agreement, which has been signed, the Falapilli Union, they've called it, uh, Prime Minister uh, Kausu Natano, the Tuvalin Prime Minister, uh, he uh, signed this primar primarily for climate change, but the possibility of military aggression. Now, who possibly would want to invade a small, tiny island, Tuvalu, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the Pacific? It's a direct, direct... Uh, example of using using these people using these uh unsuspecting uh innocent Tuvalians in a global a global geopolitical game that's exactly what the Albanese government uh, claims as you correctly say they fought against by trying to introduce the voice by giving you know power to the indigenous people and so forth uh Australia claims that it consulted uh, across the Pacific Islands forum before announcing this agreement uh and they're looking at potential candidates for similar package deals, they're calling it. Package deal uh, due to geography, demo uh, demographics, and existing partnerships. They're eyeing out uh, Kiribati and Nauru as potential also uh, recipients of this deal. Again, what's this deal? Well, we'll let your people settle, settle in Australia. If you surrender your island to us, we'll build big airports, seaports, uh, and make military bases, and you hand us over the keys, and you hand us over your sovereignty. I mean, how colonial is that? That's there's an irony. In, there's an irony in this as well. If Tuvalu's sinking, why would there be any military incentive to put all your stuff on, on an island which is about to go under the sea? Absolutely, absolutely. Look, look, China is uh, very likely to be suspicious of Australia's intentions. 
right? And uh, China is probably watching very closely, unlike the Australian people and the Australian media. China knows exactly what's going on here. China would have been looking at these headlines and watching Albanese sign these agreements, and they would have been laughing at his so-called uh, climate change emergency uh, evacuation. They know exactly what's going on here. Uh, you've got Fiji, uh, which our fellow TNT presenter Ross Cameron is somewhat of an expert on. I'd love to also hear his opinion about this. And if you're listening, tune in to Ross Cameron's show on Sunday evenings um, on TNT Radio, Sydney time, uh, because that's another another country uh, which is uh, a, a place where the Australian Defence Force uh, is very interested. Uh, I mean, 1,000 kilometres away from Australia, it's very, very close. Uh, you know, these islands, uh, these islands are... Floating or not floating, or they're fixated, uh, immobile military bases, and that's how they're being viewed by China, by the United States, in and Australia, in uh, through the prism of AUKUS. Thank you so much, Simeon Boykov. We're going to stay with the subject of climate change in a moment. That's Simeon Boykov, who has his own show as well, of course, here on TNT Radio. Coming up next, we've got one of the great experts on climate change anywhere in the world, is Professor Ian Plymer. He's coming up next with me, Len Topic here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio News. Huge news. news, news, news. <laughs> Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. New York City's Democratic Mayor Eric Adams has been accused of sexually assaulting a woman who he worked with 30 years ago. A former State Department official has been arrested on hate crime charges. A Pentagon education employee has been arrested, caught up in a human trafficking sting in suburban Atlanta. And China says there is no need for alarm over an illness infecting children in the country's north. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Good morning to you. Just after half past six in the morning in the UK, uh, half past five in Sydney and Melbourne, all points in between, wherever you are. Welcome to TNT Radio. A few comments from the uh, chat. if Ivan says in terms of uh, Gemma's plan to light up her house for Christmas, not for me, no lights, no tree, none of that consumer rubbish at my place. <laughs> All right, noted. Holly, good morning to you. Uh, we've got uh, uh, um, Holly also adding, love it, Gemma. Let there be light. Love a load of lovely lights. Give them a good show. Thanks very much. So we've got a divided panel in the chat about Christmas. And uh, one more from Holly. It's blinkered indeed, but uh, hey, they're being paid for Big Pharma to ignore and promote they will lose. That's about vaccines and all the problems with that. But let's carry on on the question of climate change. Uh, Professor Ian Plymer joins me now, one of my personal heroes, I have to say. And it's great to have you back on the show on TNT Radio. Thanks for joining Thank us, you. Professor. Thank you. Good morning to you. Let's just start with this point about Tuvalu. I looked at this and uh, somebody else was suspicious about (laughs) claims that Tuvalu was sinking. It's a sedimentary uh, deposit formed island, I think. And between 1973 and uh, and 2018, it gained almost 3% of land area. 74 of the islands got bigger. Why are we being told it's sinking? Well, we're being told lies. In 1833, uh, Charles Lyell wrote a book called The Principles of Geology. And he argued that these coral atolls formed on top of volcanoes and the volcano started to subside and the atoll kept growing. That's no different from a sea level change. And that fascinated Charles Darwin. And he took that book with him. And in 1842, 
Darwin wrote a book about coral atolls. And that scientific idea was tested between 1896 and 1898 when the atolls were drilled by Professor Sir Edgeworth David that was partially funded by the Royal Geographical Society and partially funded by the New South Wales government. And to, uh, Professor Sir Edgeworth David drilled 938 feet in coral and the coral went down um, from the most recent to that which is about 15 million years old showing you that the coral have been growing with sea level rises and falls for 15 million years. Now that was checked again when the Americans wanted to let off uh, bombs in Bikini Atoll, they tried to drill through the coral and eventually they got to that volcano at the base of the coral atoll and that was over 4,000 metres deep and they had two holes where they intersected the basalt volcano. The French did the same for their atomic tests and then in the 1970s, the Royal Australian Hydrographic Society um, surveyed the islands and showed that there was no sea level rise, that they were getting bigger. And then once we started satellite measurement, uh, we've had now 40 years of measurement and we've had a number of studies. Some of these have been in the Indian Ocean, some have been in the Pacific Ocean. And we've now had 1,100 atolls looked at. Some of those are atoll island nations. And almost all of them are growing in size. One or two of the smaller ones are getting smaller because that is because Coral is being used as road base, it's being used to make cement, it's being used for, for cutting blocks and making buildings. So we have known for nearly 200 years that these atolls are actually growing up and growing bigger, and that seems to be totally and absolutely ignored by the climate catastrophists. Now, I say that they're, they're, they're quite consistent. They're always telling lies. They never look at the past. They never look at anything that previous work has done. They work on ideology and they never check any contrary evidence. They also seem to uh, refuse to debate. Uh, I've had an increasing trouble getting uh, environmental campaigners, especially the catastrophists, to come on air. And the offer, once again, ladies and gentlemen, is open. If you want to come and explain why you believe there's a climate emergency, then do come on air. But Ian, with the evidence, it's not science has never settled, but the evidence quite persuasively showing that human-generated CO2 so simply cannot be creating a catastrophic impact at being not more than three and a half percent of the total carbon budget, which is messing around with 0.04 percent of the atmosphere. Why is it that they have got such a strong grip on political decision making and practical economic planning? Well, the first thing is very rarely will they debate. Lord Lawson, uh, the late Lord Lawson and I once had a debate in Australia and there was a scientist on the other side and, and an economist and a politician. The scientist wouldn't debate science. He wanted to talk about economics. Well, to, to talk about economics with Lord Lawson, I mean, you've got to be a fool. And um, the other person used to be the uh, opposition leader in Australia. Thank God he got liberated in for prime minister. And the third one was a Labour politician who then has changed parties, has gone to the right. And he came to me after the debate and he said, look, um, can you direct me towards the literature? I'd like to, to explore some more. And he read the literature and he completely changed his mind. So this is why we won't get scientists debate, simply because the evidence is absolutely overwhelming and they are employed to frighten us witless. They have no job. They're mainly mathematical modelers. They have no job if there's evidence to show the contrary. So they know full well that this is not true. They know full well that they wouldn't have a job without spreading this hysteria. 
However, in the West, we're very wealthy. And in the West, we have the residual of Christianity. We feel guilt. And we feel as if we're harming Mother Earth. And we feel we should pay indulgences. And we pay those indulgences with carbon tax and higher electricity prices. Now, I, I, my girth has got a little bit bigger over the last few years, so I really can't hug a tree. So what I do is I pump out plant food all the time into the atmosphere. I pump out carbon dioxide. The plants love me. And I'm downstairs in my study to get away from noise because currently here in Adelaide, we have a, a V8 supercar race. They are practising at present. The noise is incredible. The amount of fuel that they must be burning is incredible. And that's fabulous for vegetation in South Australia. So keep racing those cars, boys. Your... Uh personal career has been heavily affected by attempts to cancel you. I know what that feels like. I get cancelled myself. Why do they get away with something which is so counter-liberty, so opposite to everything that the scientific method promotes, which is uh, spirited debate? Well, in the circles I mix in, being cancelled is a badge of honour. It's just another stripe on the sleeve. Uh, I give a lot of public talks. People know I've been cancelled. I, I average a couple of public talks uh, a day um, on on programs like yours. Uh, after this, I've got a New Zealand program. After that, I've got, got a Sky TV program. I get out, um, wear some leather off in, in town halls. So I talk to a very large number of people. And what happens is that people are get frightened. They do not want to stand up and give their views because they get absolutely howled at and cut down. Now, I don't care. Uh, I just speak the truth and I use facts. And if people don't like it and want to howl me down, fine. But argue evidence with me. And there's really only one argument I put up. And that is, it has never been shown that human emissions drive global warming. So please show me. If you can show me, I will change my mind. I've been asking that question of journalists, politicians and scientists, and all I get is abuse. Now, if you could show me, per chance, that if that human emissions of carbon dioxide drive global warming, you would also have to show that the natural emissions don't, because 97% of carbon dioxide emissions are natural. So it's checkmate before you start the game. That's why they won't debate me. And we have such a wealthy society, we can afford to say, oh, yes, we'd, yeah, let them do that. But this is a salami approach. They chop out one little bit, and then they chop the next bit, and your power bills go up. They chop the next bit, and you then have no beef. They chop the next bit, and you can't fly somewhere on a holiday. They chop the next bit, and you have to turn your heating down. So it's a salami approach, and each little bit doesn't hurt very much. But we've got to the point now where... The whole system is log-jammed in this net-zero nonsense, which is costing people a fortune. And in your country, many people have the choice between a hot shower, having a heater on, or having a hot meal. Now, you're one of the G20 countries. That shouldn't happen. This is a sign of poverty, and this is what this whole climate policy has driven Western countries to. They've driven a lot of people into energy poverty and financial poverty. Uh, last question. Uh, it's a bit of a technical one, which we can return to in a week or two. Uh, many people I respect say that we're heading towards a, a grand solar minimum of quite substantial proportions. If that happens, it's going to get colder. What's your prediction? Uh, I don't make predictions. I look at the past cycles. And the past cycles are telling us two things, that we have come out of our 
um, period of time when it was a bit warmer. So we had a period when it was warmer and that was an interglacial. We've reached the peak of that interglacial and we've been cooling for the last 4,000 years with peaks of warming like in Minoan, Roman and medieval times and peaks of cooling like in the Dark Ages and the Little Ice Age. Now, that is because we're getting a little bit further away from the sun. That's been exacerbated by the sun, which has cycles. And we have come out of a grand solar maximum and in 2020 came into the grand solar minimum, which will finish in about 2053. So we're going to have two overlapping factors. And when we've had that in the past, it's got cooler. Thank you so much, Professor Ian Plymer. I could do a whole show with you. That's Professor Ian Plymer, who is an authority on climate change. What do you think about that? Do you disagree? Then come on to the show. I'll give you airspace, as the professor himself says. If you can convince me, then I'll change my view too. TNT Radio is about giving you space, not silencing the opposition. Go to tntradio.life. You'll find the chat there and the phone numbers too. Uh, coming up next, uh, we've got Jeremy Beck having a look at a whole set of stories uh, from this week uh, with me, Lambie Topic, here on TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. What you're about to hear is worse than fake news. It's dangerous. It's made up baloney. And it's designed to instill fear and hatred. Here's real-time host Bill Maher. So here's something really scary. Mike Johnson, he's the Republican Party new head chief over there in the House. Uh, this came out, he was talking to a prayer group. He said, depraved America deserves God's wrath. Came out there. Exactly sounds like Bin Laden. Now, yeah. the, now the Republican guy sounds like Bin Laden. And Trump sounds like Hitler. And here's the disgraceful former Republican congressman, Adam Kinzinger. When you look at who the Taliban is, and the Taliban is all about, hey, we want to take Sharia law, this, this thing that we believe in, we want to religiously implement this into our government. There is no difference between Christian nationalism, which is what he's representing, right. than the Taliban. Now, maybe the end is different, maybe yes. the means are different. Now, these statements would be true if Mike Johnson were calling for a massive terrorist attack against all Americans. And if he was planning on uh, taking away his the rights of, of, of everyone who doesn't agree with his religious beliefs, women, gays, everyone who doesn't agree with his religious beliefs. And if Donald Trump were throwing people into ovens and gas chambers from the concentration camps, which of course, none of which exist. So uh, until then, until these are true, these fear-mongering inciters uh, should just give it a rest. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Listen to my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles, and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. 
Limbit OPIC on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Greetings, 13 minutes to 7, Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, that means it's getting into mid-evening in Sydney and Melbourne. Thanks very much for joining me. Uh, lots of chat going on. Do go to chat line. That's uh, tntradio.live, and you'll find the chat there. Uh, Michael, thanks for the compliment there. Uh, Ivan, I did understand the Loretta joke, actually, uh, but <laughs> I'll leave it there. Uh, Holly says... Well, they lied about the flu becoming a global pandemic under a different name. So why is anyone surprised about them using climate to make drastic decisions? This is what is coming next. Climate lockups, etc. They are on a mission and we mustn't let them get away with it. Uh, wise words there. Uh, lots of other comments. Sorry, I can't get through everything. Uh, good point, uh, River there. Uh, so lies control government. Mm, who'd have thought it? Yeah, good point. Well made, I think. Uh, Ivan says, yes, keep racing those cars. Keep me in a job. Don't know what you do, Ivan, but I'd probably love to do it myself if I could. And just one more for you. Uh, uh, the uh, Lisa says, have you heard the latest from China? A new respiratory virus. And the World Health Organization saying it will probably go worldwide. Yes. I can see the inference myself there. Will we be coerced into more lockdown? Is this another excuse for another wave? Remember, China itself is saying uh, nothing to see here. Move along. Uh, I don't know enough about the virus to know what it is. Uh, a pneumonia affecting children. Well, people get colds as well. So I'm going to wait till I see the facts before I make any other decision. Somebody else who trades only in facts and Sensible opinions. It's Jeremy Beck, a uh, fellow uh, presenter here at uh, TNT Radio. Good uh, day to you, Jeremy. Thanks for joining me again. Good day, Lambert. Good to be with you. Uh, uh, tell uh, us, what have you spotted in the news that you think we should know about? I was going to say, with all those comments there before, they will overlap somewhat of about what I'm talking about. And I think it's very appropriate to start with Andrew Bridgeton, a British politician who's actually one of my favourites uh, because he's been bold enough to say exactly what's on the minds of most of us who know that this is a scandemic, a plandemic, whatever you want to call it. Uh, now, he's told his online audience that he's been officially told, uh, or unofficially rather told, that the United Kingdom is set to debate World Health Organisation health regulation changes on the 12th of December. Uh, so I think it's about time for a bit more of a debate because, uh, as we know, the debate has been a, a non-debate. Uh, so he says this is big. Our national sovereignty is at stake and the public's right to say is on the line. Stay alert. This matters for our democratic freedoms. And absolutely right. I mean, uh, how much sovereignty have we ceded to the World Health Organization? It's just not funny, Lambert. Uh, so I think it's going to be very interesting to see this debate uh, if it does occur on the 12th of December in the parliament in the United Kingdom. I'd love to be watching. Yes, it reminds me, this whole business, Andrew Bridgen, who's come onto TNT Radio and onto my show and acquits himself very well every time, his comments remind me of the scammers at the United Nations when it comes to climate, where the obvious politicization of the United Nations seems to be same, the same kind of centralist agenda we see from the World Economic Forum and that, as, as you say, from the World Health Organization. Uh, I worry that we will get legislation pushed in that people don't really question and then will actually be legislatively bound to these lockdowns. Is that a, a possibility? 
I'm very concerned that we've been lulled into some sort of acceptance that, you know, we're back to normal now and and all the, the very harsh measures that we experienced a few years ago, that's all over. But then the, the mindset of the public has really been hit. Uh, we're in a bit of a fog. Many people could be lulled into accepting it all over again to some degree. Now, I don't think it's going to be that bad because I think many people have woken up and you need this critical mass. And I think we've got there, but it's it's a bit of an unknown thing. The, the technocratic elites, they, they've been monitoring this. They've been following public opinion and they see that there's still people walking around in masks. Can you believe it? <laughs> there's still, I go to the shopping centres and they're still walking around in masks. So they're still... Uh, a sizable minority have swallowed this propaganda hook, line and sinker, uh, but many are woken up. They will try and pull this on us again, uh, but we have to fight back. Non-compliance is what I say. And I'm very much looking forward to this debate in the UK. And uh, I think uh, this, this uh, with Andrew Brixton putting this out, uh, you know, three cheers to what he's done because why aren't there more British politicians are saying this? We've got a few in Australia, like uh, Senator Jared Rennick, uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts, but not many, really. Most of them are silent here. Most of them are silent in your country. We need more to wake up. I can answer the question. I was in Parliament this week and I asked some of them about, about this and Andrew Bridgen's uh, treatment. And they said, well, yeah, he's probably right, but it's not the time to say it. That's how they put it. And that, by what, what they mean by that is, I won't get promoted in my party if I sound like a conspiracy theorist. It's as simple as that. It's it's desperately bad uh, reputational damage to my faith in British politics, I have to say. But that's the honest, private, off-the-record comment that they make. Yes, but uh, I don't know that they can keep push pushing this line for too long. And we're seeing that now. I know you discussed a little bit about it earlier on in the Netherlands, a seismic shift in politics there. Uh, you've had the Party for Freedom winning 37 seats. They're capturing one in four votes. That is huge. Now, they're accused of being uh, far right or whatever. Uh, now, some of their views, I must admit, I don't agree with them 100%, but I'll tell you what, uh, a lot of the areas, what they're talking about, makes sense. And that's why people vote for them, because they've had a gutful of this radical green ideology. I know that the so-called far-right parties don't buy this cl climate scam. Uh, and the farmers, remember in the Netherlands, the farmers, mm. I mean, they were about pushed out of existence and they're fighting back. And surprise, surprise, you know, well, why would why would uh, the, the public not vote for a so-called far-right party when their whole livelihoods are at stake? Gert Wilders always gets slammed in the old legacy media in the UK when he comes over here. Uh, there's even debate about whether he should be reported. And yet, mm -hmm. from a democratic point of view, one in four Netherlands voters support him. Is that possibly also why in Ireland we've seen literally firebombing by the public against what they regard as uncontrolled immigration? I'm not sure if you've seen this story. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have. Um, and, and I'm concerned about this racial tension and they i mean you get a lot of politicians who like to play it up and but there is a real issue uh and the way i see it is a lot of the immigration has been a product of 
the the extreme left wing, of course, has been encouraging it at all, but also the neocon element where they're pushing this warmongering, which has destabilised the entire world. Look at Libya. Uh, the United States did not have to create a failed state in Libya. That's what they've done. And a lot of the immigration problems that you're seeing in Europe are a result of the wars, which is not the fault of the these brown skinned people that you know the, the racists like to talk about it's the fault of us that we've you know when want to say us the the western countries which have been behind these wars the the war on terror the war against iraq afghanistan all the rest and that is in large part created these immigration problems and they are problems but i don't like to see people uh, trying to capitalize on that and stoking tensions because that's the last thing we need is race wars. Ireland, uh, despite its troubled history in the north, has tended to be quite a peaceful and acquiescent place. I think when you see actual firebombing going on in the capital of Ireland, you've got to take seriously the level of rage this uh, has generated on this occasion because an Algerian migrant uh, stabbed children in the country. Uh, it seems also to me now that uh, there's a certain amount of uh, concern in the West that, that they are losing this argument. I saw another story, which you might have seen, exposing NATO's urgency, the push for military Schengen to outpace Russia. I didn't get into that story. What's that about? The, the NATO's urgency? Mm. Mm. Uh, well, I, I wasn't looking at that so much, but uh, what, what I do know, of course, with NATO is uh, the big problem is that it's been extending and extending further and further, encroaching on Russia's territory. And I have been concerned about that for many years yeah. because yeah. Uh, what we're looking at right now is a situation where NATO doesn't want to give up. Russia certainly doesn't want to lose its sovereignty. And in the Ukraine, I mean, that's just been a hellhole. So that's the last thing we need is NATO to keep trying to gain more and more members and keep pushing further and further to Russia's border. That's a disaster. But what I did want to mention is um, about Germany uh, we've had a so-called debt break, which is a, it's it's based on a, a legislative, uh, it's a government budget deficit, which uh, can be no more than 0.35% of GDP uh, adjusted for the economic cycle. And it poses some significant challenges to managing the national budget in Germany. Now, recently, a court decision blocked the government's plan to transfer 60 billion euros of unused borrowing capacity to a climate and transformation fund intended to finance projects. Uh, now, three, uh, the judges cited a constitutional budget constraints and concluded that this transfer did not meet the constitutional requirements for emergency loans. Now, the case with Germany is, is really quite dire because Germany is really the, well, certainly was, the manufacturing hub of Europe, the biggest economy by far, and they've just crippled themselves with all these green ideologies. They've shut down uh, a lot of their nuclear capacity. They've gone anti-coal and then they've had to start the coal up again. Uh, and then they've got these budgetary laws and, and then they're trying to transfer 60 billion euros into a climate and transformation fund. This is just nuts. Uh, um, and I, I can just see, you know, this is a spot to watch uh, what's going to happen in Germany with the economy. 
Jeremy Beck, I think there are portent for what's going to happen across the whole of Europe. Thanks so much. We got through a lot there. If you've got comments about anything you've heard Jeremy talk about, then go to the TNT radio.live chat and have your say. I'll get some of your comments out as much as I can in the next hour. Coming up in the next hour with me, uh, we've got Amy Gallagher, who will do her view on Woke Watch. We've got Nick Drake looking at the UK perspective on the news of the week and Gavin Ashenden, the Queen's chaplain, all joining me here on TNT Radio. Uh, I hope you can stay with me. And once again, if you want to say something as well, go to tntradio.live. Have your say. I'm Leonard Topic. This is TNT Radio. Mm-hmm.